I want to begin by talking about a half marathon, which is 13.1 miles, which is a distance that I never had any desire whatsoever to run, even though I've been a runner most of my life. My dad was a runner and he would kind of bring me along on runs with him. And then all throughout my life, I would hear about people who did half marathons and marathons. And my immediate reaction to that was, no, thank you. <laughs> like, I don't want to run that long. Like, I enjoy running. It's kind of a way for me to like think and pray, but I don't want to do it that long. Like, that sounds terrible. Uh, until a group of my friends started talking about doing a half marathon on uh, New Year's Eve. And it was just a small group of us. We didn't, you know, try to create some super spreader event. Uh, so we ran a half marathon together on New Year's Eve, so just a week ago, and uh, it was actually a lot of fun. Actually, not even a week ago, a couple of days ago, um, a group of us got together and said, "Okay, we're going to do this." Like some of us have been training, some of us are just in we think good enough shape to try to do 13.1 miles. When I just say that, that sounds like a long way to go, right? <laughs> like that—that's just a distance. But we agreed, we, we formed this agreement together where we said, we're gonna try to do this half marathon. And I just said, yeah, let's try it. I, I think I'm up for it. So we picked a course, we ran along the Sammamish River Trail. We started at Bothell Landing and we went around under 405. We went down past uh, the Gateway Park there in Woodenville. We went past 60 acres. And then on the south side of 60 acres park, we turn around and head back. And it's actually, not bad for the first part of the marathon. I'm running a half marathon. I'm running with some friends. We're talking. It's all good. And then at mile 10, I just start to struggle. And I know some of you out there are going like mile 10, you started to struggle. I would have been struggling long before mile 10. Well, believe me, it was not easy before mile 10. But at mile 10, you start to play the mental game with yourself. And if you've ever run a race or done something, you know how this goes. You start to tell yourself like, I'm going to make it to the next light post. I'm going to make it to the next bridge. I'm going to make it to whatever barrier is in front of me. And I'm just going to, you start negotiating with yourself. Like, and then after that, maybe I'll walk after that. Maybe I'll slow down a little bit. And it just became an absolute grind to get to that finish line back at Bothell landing. I actually had a friend uh, come running up beside me. He was a really fast runner and he was nice about the fact that he was fast, which is the kind of person you want to run around. And he ran up next to me and, you know, he was kind of going up and down the uh, trail, just encouraging us as we were running. And he said, hey, tell me about what you're preaching on on Sunday. And I said, I'm preaching on the promised land and Moses. And he's like, that's that's so great. Yeah, I'm, let's let's get you to the promised man, man. Let's get you to the finish line. The finish line is your promised land. And the whole time he's telling me this, I wanted to say to him, you know, Moses dies at the finish line. Like he dies at the promised land. Like, please don't keep telling me we're going to get you to the finish line. Cause that's what, that's where Moses is done. Like, I don't want to do that right now, but I did get to the finish line. I did cross over into the promised land. It was an absolute grind. And one of my takeaways from it was I would never have done this without a community, without friends, without people that I enjoy fellowship with. There's no way I would have stepped into it. And what held me up when I was really tired, when I was really done, like my legs were toast by the last couple of miles. I was barely making it. What held me up was this community that was held together by this idea, we're going to finish this race together. And even though it was a grind, we got there. Now, when I got to this promised land of the finish line, I didn't die, obviously, because I'm here. 
And my reward was a banana and some Gatorade and the chance to stand around and talk with my friends in a rainy parking lot at Bothell Landing. And that was actually really sweet and really cool. And I, I'm so thankful to have done that with a group of friends because that finishing made it that much sweeter. Now contrast that with what could have happened. If I was running this thing by myself, I wouldn't have gone nearly as far. I wouldn't have gone nearly as fast. I wouldn't have had my friend telling me about the promised land. And when I finished, I would have gotten back to my car and just gotten out of the rain and driven home. Like there was no celebration. There was no culmination. Today's scripture is about the culmination of Moses's journey as the leader of the people of Israel. This is not only where they reach the promised land, this is where he hands the baton of leadership to Joshua, the next leader of the people of Israel. And I think this is analogous to the time that we find ourselves in. We had 2020 and everybody, you know, read all the things online and in the paper. Oh, thank goodness 2020 is over, blah, blah, blah. Yes, I think there's some truth to that, but I also think there were things that we learned in 2020 that we could never have learned otherwise. And I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. So there's a part of me that's actually trying to look at 2020 and go, you know, God, there were good things there and I'm grateful for what you did in my life and in our world in 2020. I don't want the sickness to continue. I don't want people dying to continue but there are good things for us to take note of in 2020. We'll have some time to kind of reflect on that in our breakout rooms in a little while. But Moses finishes his journey, taking the people to the promised land, but he can't go there himself. He can't cross that finish line. It'd be like if I was going to finish up my marathon, my half marathon and the finish line just disappeared and I couldn't actually finish. I couldn't actually have that, that sense of relief. Like I'm done now. And I think Moses does have that sense of relief in our text today, but we got to kind of look closely to find it. So really briefly, we're going to talk about who is Moses and what is the promised land? Where is it? Are we picking the right promised land? So to begin, who is Moses? Moses is a leader who has failed. If you felt like you failed in 2020, if you felt like you failed just getting into an argument with your spouse over breakfast this morning, you know how it feels to be someone like Moses, because you've experienced failure. Moses is someone who failed and fled into the desert after he murdered a guy. He failed when he, trust, when he failed to trust God in Numbers chapter 20. That's the reason he can't go into the promised land. He did what God asked him to do, but he didn't do it with his heart in the right place. He didn't do it in a way that showed that he was giving glory to God. And so he can't go into the promised land. It feels harsh, but it isn't really if you look at what's happening around Moses. Moses's job is to help the people of Israel get to where they need to be. And what holds him up, what gives him strength and power to do that is not his own will, not his own fortitude, not his training for a marathon or a race of any kind. It is Moses's covenant with God. The fact that God made this agreement, all, all a covenant is, is an agreement between God and people. That's it. And in this situation, it is the agreement that God made between himself and the people of Israel. And he started it with Abraham and he continued it with Moses. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to take care of you. And Moses participates in this. That's his job. That's his role as a leader. Interestingly enough, Moses summarizes this covenant for the people of Israel earlier in the book of Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, he's talking about the Ten Commandments. And then Moses says this. This is one of the most important lines in all of the Old Testament. He says this in Deuteronomy 6, 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. 
the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. That's called the Shema. That is the Hebrew word for this part of the scripture that commands the people of Israel to do one thing, to do one thing really, really well. And that's to love the Lord your God, to maintain this relationship, to thrive in this relationship with God, to participate in it. Don't passively engage with it, actively engage with it. If you're married, imagine passively engaging with your spouse. Imagine tolerating your spouse. Maybe you've been through seasons like that. It sucks. You don't want to live that way. God has not called us to passively engage with him or to tolerate his presence. He has called us to live abundantly with him. And that's what Moses is tasked with sharing with the Israelites again and again and again. This is your calling. This is where you're supposed to be. There is a destination, a physical place that's the promised land. But the promised land happens when we engage in covenant with God. When I'm running with my buddies and I've said, I'm going to do this with you guys. I'm not going to not finish. I'm going to finish this thing out. We agreed together. We're all doing this, right? We're all going to make this happen. Yes, let's go. Our life together as a community in the church is a covenanted community. It is an agreement that we have made with God to exist as Bethany Community Church, not just in a place, although I'm very thankful to be in this place of Inglewood Presbyterian, but to exist as a people with a mission and a purpose. And what I want us to consider as we think about this second question, where is the promised land? For Moses, it was not actually crossing into the promised land that brought him the greatest joy. It was knowing that he had helped his people come to the finish line and his job was complete and he could hand it off. The promised land is where God knows God's people are going to thrive. The promised land is where God knows you and I can thrive, that we can have all the resources we need and that we can care for the least and the vulnerable in our communities and not be ignorant to them, where we can thrive. Do you believe that God wants you to thrive in the year ahead? Do you believe it's going to look different than maybe you imagined? Because I certainly do. That's one of my big lessons from 2020. Whatever picture I had of the future, okay. That's not, that's not it. That's not the thing. The thing is whatever God is putting in front of us. For Moses, he knew he wasn't going to get to cross into the promised land, but that's not the point. The point was for him to hold up that covenant, to help the people walk faithfully, to get Joshua ready for ministry, and then to cross that, to help them cross that finish line and to know that he had a job well done. I pictured, this is just kind of silly. This is kind of how my brain works. I picture Moses and God sitting together like on a park bench on a cliff, looking out over the land of Canaan. This is the land that's been promised for generations. And God just puts his arm around Moses. And he doesn't even have to say anything. And Moses knows that even though he can't go into that promised land, even though he has gotten cross with God, even though he has been an angry guy, even though he has failed as a leader, God says, I am with you. And you're going to finish this journey out well. Well done, good and faithful servant. Isn't it great when you get to the end of a long journey to feel like, ah, oh, we've made it. Like one of my favorite things is whenever we travel to just put your bags down and just kind of lay there on the bed or wherever you are and just kind of go, okay, we made it. When I was finishing up this half marathon with my friends, I was tracking my distance on my watch and I got to the finish line and it said 12.83 miles. 
And I went, like, I'm supposed to be at 13.1 miles. Like, I've got three tenths of a mile to go. And I could have quit, but instead I said, no way, I'm going to get to 13.1 miles. Like, I wanted to say that on my watch. I want these stupid little numbers to tell me that I'm done. So I ran past the finish line. I ran almost <laughs> into downtown Bothell, turned around and came back. Was it stubbornness? Yes. But I was not going to finish without crossing that line. What do you think that's going to be for you in 2020, 2021, I should say? What do you think it's going to take for you to carry the calling that God has given you, the passion that God has given you, the gifts that God has given you, and to bring them before him and say, I know I'm not done yet, Lord. I know I have more to offer in your church, in my neighborhood, in my work. Yes, things are different right now. We have hope that there may be a return to somewhat normal life. We're hoping that we can be freed up from this time that we've been in. But if we follow Moses's example, the most important thing isn't whether we got to 13.1 miles. The most important thing is that we finish participating in the covenant. So what does that look like? Two very practical steps to consider. What do you and I need to be doing to engage with the promised land, participate in God's covenant? Covenant is active and not passive. That's the first thing I would encourage you to think about. Covenant is active and not passive. Deuteronomy 6.4 starts with an action word. Hear, O Israel. Listen, Israel. Pay attention, Israel. Are you paying attention to what the Lord is doing in your life? Are you listening for his voice through prayer, journaling, reflection, listening to the scriptures? Are you? If not, how do you want to make time for that? How do you want to put that on your calendar? How do you want to make that a reality? And then secondly, how do you want to actively participate in this covenanted community that we call Bethany Community Church? Some of you are doing this in just astounding ways. You're teaching kids who are in this weird stage in life as tweens. They're not quite teenagers yet. They're not little kids anymore. And you're coming beside them and you're going, hey, I'm with you. I'm going to listen to you. We're going to hang out together. Even though it's going to be virtual, we're going to keep you safe. And we are going to walk together through this strange time. I love that. And I would love to see more adults step up and help with our tweens. I would love to see more people lead in their gifts for music and worship like Jesse did earlier, like we've had other families do. That's been such a joy to see the gifts of the people in this church come to life. Maybe what you want to do is just pray more frequently, more broadly, with a greater scope in mind. Join us for our prayer gatherings. We get together on Tuesday uh, the second, I believe it's the second or third Tuesday of the month. Don't quote me on that. But it's amazing. And it's a great time for us to pray for our world. I take my dog on a walk and participate in our prayer gathering. And I really want you to do the same. I would love for you to be a part of it. And the point of all this is not to keep us busy. The point of all this is the second encouragement I want to offer. And that is this, pick a good promised land. Moses could have picked that he just wanted to finish. Like, I just want to get across the finish line. That's it. But instead, he participated in what God was doing with love and compassion and care. Not perfectly by any means. Would you consider picking a promised land, picking a goal, picking a destination for yourself that you've kind of held up before God and say, God, this is what I think I need to do. Would you lead me in this? And the reason I mention this is especially important in 2021 is we're going to have a lot of false promised lands thrown at us this year. We are. You're going to have people coming up to you and say, man, it's going to be so great when we're back together in the office again. That's going to be it. Like, that's when we know things are back to normal. And it's like, 
okay, was the office that great before? Like, are you going to be that happy when you get to sit in your chair again? Maybe you will be, and that's great, but that's a lame promised land compared to the one that God has for you, of using your gifts, of using your voice, of participating in the work of ministry. I, I am honestly very, very hopeful for the vaccine to come and change the way that we have engaged with the world. But if I put all my hope in the vaccine, I'm going to be really disappointed. If, it, if I put all my hope, I'm not doing this, but I know people who are. If I put all my hope in finding a new job, that new job is going to turn out to be a job. And it's going to be hard. And it's not going to be my promised land. It's so hard, but when our kids go back to school, man, that's going to feel like the promised land, right? Well, yeah, until it starts to feel normal again. The point I'm trying to make is this. Let's hope for things like those are good things to hope for. The vaccine, school, jobs, offices. But let us hope for things bigger than that. Let us hope for revival and renewal across the east side. Let us hope for our church to continue to take huge strides in our leadership around race and justice and bringing healing to our country. Let us hope for the opportunity to pray and pray fervently for our friends and neighbors. And let us hope that every day, somebody from Bethany Community Church has the opportunity to share the gospel, to tell people about the good news of Jesus in word and in deed. May we be known as a community that takes care of the poor, that doesn't turn a blind eye to those who lack resources. Those days are coming, church. I believe those are the kind of promised land type visions that you and I need to get behind. And we will, by faith in Christ, by the faithfulness of God, by following Moses' example. So participate in that covenant, church. Pick a good promised land. And be ready for God to surprise you this year as he did for all of us in 2020. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to turn our attention to our communion table. So I invite you, uh, as I pray, to grab your communion elements, and we'll uh, break bread together in just a moment. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this day, and thank you for communion. We ask, Lord, that you would use these elements, bread and juice, here at church, but wherever we are, whatever we have in front of us, would you meet us in this moment? Maybe this is the moment where, when we're sitting at table with you, that you stir up in us something big, a dream that you have for your church, a dream that you have for feeding the hungry and providing shelter for the homeless and ministering to kids and families who are isolated and hurting. Maybe it's a time for us to confess and say, Lord, I need your help. I'm a broken person. Would you rescue me? Would you set me free? However we come to this table, Lord, would you meet with us? Would you set aside these elements from their common purpose and use them for your glory? We ask in the name of Christ. Friends, I've got simple bread and simple juice up here at church. And I miss being able to break bread with all of you. I really do. Until that day, I want to invite you to take bread, take juice, take a saltine cracker, take a glass of milk, whatever you've got in front of you, and join me as we share these important words together. On the night when Jesus was betrayed, he broke bread and he offered it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body broken for you. Do this and remember me. In the same manner, after supper, Jesus took the cup 
of the Passover and he offered it to his friends. He offered it to these disciples and he said to them, this cup is the new covenant in my blood shed for the forgiveness of sins for many. And as the apostle Paul later reminds us, as often as we eat this bread and drink from this cup, we proclaim with our bodies the life and death and resurrection of Jesus until he comes again. So wherever you are, whatever you have in front of you, I invite you to take the bread and eat it and take the cup and drink from it as we continue in our worship. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for communion. Thank you for humbling us through your presence with us. As we take in these elements, would you nourish our souls with your very resurrection power, Jesus, with your Holy Spirit. May this be fuel for your ministry and your mission to rescue the world that you love so much you sent Jesus into it to save us, to hold up the covenant in ways that we never could, and to bring this new covenant, this new agreement between God and people for your good and for the glory of Jesus Christ. We ask these things in his name. Amen. We're going to go to our break.